Yeah, and I think we've we've lucked out in that for the most part, the reaction or response that we've gotten from people, um, whether it's in real life in public or you know even on online, has been positive. Yeah. You know, it's been like, yes, we are a spectacle, and we just know that. Like we know that, right? And and there is a level of acceptance I think that you just have to kind of like take it on and be shameless about it and just be like, yep, this is who we are. Like, yeah, we're the family that's pushing two kiddos in a you, wheelchair. You take out one wheelchair and you put right. a kid in. You like take out another one and put the other kid in. They're like, oh, this like I mean, we're yeah. we're a little bit of like a circus show to watch. Like I mean, we just we just hear a lot, you know, for, for we're people. a lot, we're a lot. So, but we know it, and we're just kind of like, whatever. It is. I mean, what are we gonna do? It is. Yeah. It is it, what it is. Hello and welcome back to Hot Marriage Cool Parents. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are so happy to have you here. Yes, and we have some exciting guests today, which I'm really pumped about because, you know, doing the podcast, we get to meet a lot of new people and get to know a lot of new people. And this family, the Willardsons, I'm not sure if anybody, if you, if you follow them on um, Instagram or social media, this family, they're like angels. They really are. They have three children and they're trying to conceive another and uh, they are going through a slew of fertility issues. And I feel like we are kind of on a similar journey because Shannon, um, the mom, the wife, she is just doesn't, she just knows in her heart, her family's not complete. And I know that for those of you who do feel like your family is complete or you couldn't fathom having many children, you just think that us women who want many children are crazy. I get that. I know. But, um, (laughs) it's like, I finally found someone that I can kind of relate with in the sense that I'm blessed and she's blessed to have three beautiful children and I'm blessed to have two beautiful children, but yet our hearts like ache for more and um we just know like it's just like this feeling that you know it's like I don't know and I don't know if it's because I've suffered a loss that I feel like I'm maybe forever gonna try to fill that void and I don't I'm like talking to my therapist about it okay (laughs) because I don't know what it is but in my heart in my heart of hearts I just know that there is a child waiting to come to us and that I need to love and take care of and nurture and that doesn't take away at all from my current two children there's like the most annoying thing is when they say just love the kids you have and I'm like I do I love them so much I want another one like I weird when people say that yeah it's like do you think I don't of course I do if I didn't I wouldn't want I wouldn't want more. Well, I, I think a lot of people, they, cause like I always thought that I wanted three kids and I think it could be because I grew up in a house of three kids. I have a younger brother and a younger sister and you wanted a big family and, and you know, you have a big family. Yeah, I know. It's actually funny though, because Doug, you said you watched Married at First Sight the other day and apparently on some, one of the episodes, I haven't watched our season of Married at First Sight. I can't, I can't tell you how long it's been. It has been forever. <laughs> but apparently on one of the episodes, you said that I said that I didn't want five kids. Yeah. You said, I, you, your, your words were, I don't know. I who, can't believe I said that. I don't know who would want that many kids. Like my God. And uh, it was just funny because now, yeah. I'm like astonished that I said that because I've always wanted four to six kids (laughs) and maybe adopt a couple. Well, the, uh, the Willardsons are going to be on a little bit later and, uh, they're going to share their fertility journey. Um, they also share a, uh, they share a common chrome. I don't even know if it's a chromosome, but they share, they both, uh, share a genetic trait, um, that gets passed down to the kids. There's a one in four chance that it gets passed down to the kids and it's a, a very rare, um, disease or, um, 
I mean, genetic genetic disorder, uh-huh. um, which had been passed down to two of their children. And, and um, so two of their girls, their two youngest girls, they have a son named Jack and then two younger girls, and they're in wheelchairs and... Um, you know they are they have they have this genetic uh, chromosomal. I, you know I just think we should have the Willardsons explain it <laughs> yeah. a little bit better. I was gonna say we're botching y- the, this explanation. Yeah, but the, we'll let them. But the point of the matter is that, and why we think that they're angels and they're just so amazing is because, you know, they there's like nothing about that that stops them from wanting to love and and be there for their current children, but also have another. And, and, um, just like the amount of grace that they have, I mean, yeah, they're it's a just, very they're genuine just story. Yeah. And, and yeah, two great people and they have so much love in their hearts. And, you know, you sometimes meet people and, and there could be a level of depression and there could be a level of saying, why me? You know, mm-hmm. why does this have to happen to me? Why does this have to happen to my kid? Um, you know, and it's just their, their, their mindset is just beyond a level of comprehension to me uh, yeah. of how happy and down to earth and, and just there, there, I was really, really, um, grateful to speak with them. Yeah. But, uh, I know that we've been talking a lot about your journey, Doug, about, you know, your medicine. Yeah, and speaking about journeys. Yeah. You are on quite the journey yourself and, I mean, yeah. I'll let you explain it, but I mean, I'm, I am sitting here so proud of you and so well, shocked. You. I mean, you did have an episode, I would say of like withdrawal. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, um, well, we should probably, for those who are just catching us on this episode, Doug has been on a journey where he, oh yeah, I guess, uh, <laughs> if, if you're, if you're just listening, um, so I had, um, I've, I've had an addiction to painkillers uh, ever since. Well, it really started in college. Um, but then I had moved on to a drug called Suboxone, which, which helps you curb the withdrawals that. and helps you get off of it. But Suboxone is a very highly addictive medication. In um, and of itself. And it's trading one addiction for another. It's like, you know, it's like uh, the lesser of two evils. Um, Suboxone is legal, whereas popping, right. you know, prescription pills is not. Yeah. And so through Suboxone, um, you still have that need and you go through serious withdrawals if you don't have them. And traveling as much as we do and even going on the road trip that we were on, you're a slave to this medication. When you get to the end of your prescription, the anxiety comes on and you need to know where you're going to get it. You need to know if it's going to get filled. And I never experienced more of a headache and anxiety than when we were on our RV journey. I've had to, I filled it, I think in Pennsylvania and Idaho and like <laughs> it was, and every state has different laws, but yeah. needless to say the, when we came to and came back to Florida, I'd made the decision in my head that I, I needed to get off of Spoxone. It had been 10 years plus that I've been on this medication and I want to go back to what life was like before having to just be a slave to any medication. Um, and so the there's an addiction specialist down here that I went to that introduced me to a, a drug called Sublicade, which is a injection into the stomach. And it's a slow release similar to what Suboxone is. Um, but they literally give you an injection in the stomach and it's like a gel that gets in there and um, I talked a lot about this on, on our first episode, but 
I am going in for my next shot on June 14th. They wanted to schedule the 15th, but June 15th is a very special day. Oh, why is it so special? Because it is my wifey's birthday. Oh, um, okay. And I didn't that, want... That's a very, very special yeah, day. I get that. I didn't want to uh, I didn't want to ruin that day. But yeah, so I go in for my second shot on June 14th. And supposedly there there's four shots that are scheduled. They're each spaced out 26 to 29 days apart. Uh, and the idea being that after the fourth shot, a lot of people just say that's it. You're, you won't go through withdrawals. You won't go through um, any of the physical effects of uh, being dependent on that type of medication, which I'm really looking forward to. But After how many? Four months? Yeah, after four months. So, I mean, it's not... It's not a full four months because it's every 26 to 29 days, but it's essentially four shots and, and then you're good. And, um, you know, so far it's been, it's been okay. Uh, I do notice that my, the only, it's more of a habitual uh, dependency or habitual. It was, I had an oral habit of taking my medication once in the morning um, on right after I dropped my kids off and then one at 5 p.m. Uh, that was always my routine for like 10 years. Um, Over so, 10 years. Yeah, really. around those times I start to feel a little antsy. Um, I do notice that I, I've been I've been nauseous. Um, I have stomach aches. when it, There's different dips in the day where I start to feel um, just a little off, um, kind of zoning out and, you know, almost like I'm starting to go into withdrawals, but it's not nearly as close to what I remember withdrawals to being. So, um, it's just pushing through the, you know, pushing through those times, finding distractions and, um, yeah. So, uh, we'll see what happens on the, the second shot, which I go down from whatever the dose was. I go down to uh, a certain, um, a certain milligram. I don't even know how it goes. It's like a gel that gets shot into your stomach. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that's, uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how month two will be because month one so far is, um, it's been a little bit difficult. There's different times throughout the day where I just, I, I get in a sort of mood, uh, and I just get into, I don't know, it's just like I start to sweat a little bit and then I get antsy and then I feel like mentally I start to take myself down that path where, where like I, I need Suboxone. Um, really you have not told me this but yeah i wanted to save it for the podcast because this is where we have our real talks (laughs) (laughs) just kidding i'm like what (laughs) um no but it's it's been it has it's been like very sporadic Um, wait so you're starting to feel like there are times that you feel like you want to take suboxone even though you're on this gel where i i i think it's more mental i think it's where i start to feel like I, I need to tell, like, like I, there was always signs where if I hadn't taken it for a certain number or, or if let's say I missed my 5 PM dose or whatever, and then it gets to like seven, eight, nine o'clock, you start to feel a certain way Yeah. where you start to just get like, you, you're just starting to get, you're just not comfortable. You sweat, you get hot, you need to move around, you're distracted and you know, it's just zoning out. Um, it's like little little episodes like that, but not as severe. But um, you've got you've had moments since you've been on you know this journey that you've actually wanted to, like you just kind of wish you could take Suboxone. Not wished, but those would be times where I would take it. 
because I know that I would need to take it. But then how how are you getting over it? But then that moment passes. Oh, I was gonna say, how do you get through that? It's just, it's just putting it like, you know, this, this is what I have to do. Um, and just going past it. And then, and then it, like, it's almost like I just snap out of it. I don't know. It's just weird. Um, but I think it, that, I mean, and that might be mental, um, at this point, but yeah, so far, uh, I mean, it's been, it's been okay. So I have my injections already spaced out. Uh, I'll be going in for my, at this point, I'll be going in for my second shot, um, in a couple weeks. And, uh, hopefully that, you know, everything, all the feelings and everything else becomes normal, but also some of the triggers, you know, like the time and the drive and every all those little triggers that people have, um, hoping that they just subside. But, you know, I've been uh, very, very impressed um, and very fortunate and, and grateful that there's a medication like this because, yeah. you know, there's, I had doubts like, you know, how could something that gets injected into you, how could that slowly, you know, leak out your medication and something that you've been taking sublingually, which goes, you know, directly into you, you hold it under your tongue. Something that's in your stomach is going to give you that same hold and, and prevent you from going through withdrawals. It, it, it's, it's really miraculous how it, that actually yeah. works. Um, you know, but you do go into it. I mean, there was, so many reviews and, and so many people that really uh, spoke very highly of it about how it helped them. And you never really get, I never really saw any um, horror stories uh, or read about any horror stories or any downsides. Um, and I'm just happy that it's working so far. Yeah. I'm so happy that it's working as well because I feel like you, I'm just so thankful that you will no longer have to be a slave to this medicine yeah. as you, as you said that you have been. Yeah. Real fast, we should give our five-star reviewer a shout-out because we absolutely, truly appreciate it when you head over to the podcast on Apple or Spotify, wherever you're listening, and you shoot us a five-star review. Yes. You don't have to do that, but you do it out of the kindness of your heart, and it means the world to us. It keeps us going. So uh, A little you... behind the scenes. Okay. Um, we haven't podcasted in a while. Yeah, So the reviews that we have are going back to when our – uh, when we were podcasting a lot. So thank you uh, if you head over there and yes. give us some five-star reviews currently. Because you have a really good shot of getting your new five-star reviews read on the show. That's true because we haven't podcasted exactly. in a while. So there haven't, but there aren't no new reviews coming in. So <laughs> if you want a chance, I'm sure you have a very high chance now. Yeah, but I, I really like this one. So this one's uh, it says, love it, uh, from Betty Ryan, um, who says... I love this podcast. I love listening to Doug and Jamie answer questions, and I love that they are real and honest about their ups and downs. I recently rewatched some of MAFs, Married at First Sight, and Jamie's initial reaction only lasted a minute until Doug stole her heart. TV really played it up, but obviously Jamie was crazy about Doug very early on, and I could attest to that. <laughs> um, I look forward to the podcast episode. So curious about the new RV life. Can't wait to hear all about it. Betty, I'm sorry we left you hanging. Yes. We have barely shared anything about the RV life. I know. We will have a whole entire YouTube series coming out. Yes. That is just uh, getting through all of our um, major updates in life yeah. right now. Our daughter is, has just graduated kindergarten. Which is bizarre to Crazy think that wild. it's already over. Like we, we were thinking, we were, I mean, it just seems like yesterday we were 
saying to ourselves, like, I can't believe she started kindergarten and I hope she likes her school and I hope she makes some friends and I hope she makes some friends so we can make some friends (laughs) (laughs) so we can finally hang out with people that are down here. But, um, I am so happy with the school, how she took to the school, uh, her friends that she made are amazing. Uh, the stories she comes home with, she's, I don't know if she's ever come home from school upset ever, which is a really telltale sign of uh, the school and the teacher. And I even asked her today, you know, I said, what, what was your favorite part of the year of kindergarten? And she said, Mrs. Uh, um, she said her teacher. Yeah. And then I asked her the same question and she said playtime. And I was like, okay, that's yeah. nice. Uh, but there was one story that I'll forever remember from her kindergarten year. I will never, ever, ever forget this because it made me so proud of Henley Grace. So when we're working, you know, recording or doing whatever it is that we're doing, uh, sometimes I have my amazing new assistant Kirsten pick up the kids for us this had literally she's this is her second she's picking them up actually right now as we sit here she's at the school to pick them up and uh funny funny saying that because um like this was she's only picked them up twice so this is why like this doesn't happen often like usually we get our own kids from school but this one time Kirsten went to grab the kids and she came so she told me that Henley told her a story on the way home that there was a little girl at school who was getting picked on by her friends because she was in another class uh was getting picked on by her friends because of the necklace she was wearing and Henley apparently went over to be her friend and um and you know asked her why she was sitting all by herself and the girl told Henley the story and Henley said um, I'll well, be your friend. Yeah, we can play together. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's so sweet. I feel like Henley just told you a story. Like, that's really sweet. I didn't, I like didn't know that my daughter at five years old had that in her. You actually ran into the mom yeah. at an event later that Literally that day same day. I, I, and kind of shame on me for not believing in my daughter more because, but I just think thinking five, I just didn't, I just thought maybe that was a story. She wanted to impress Miss Kirsten. Um, I just didn't think that was necessarily true because kids tell stories, you know, and, um, but shame on me for not, I, <laughs> next time I will be, like believe my daughter is a big lesson that I learned from that. But, um, yeah, cause later that night there was an event at the school. It was like a charity thing to raise money for the school. So we went to it and no joke, that same little girl and her mom were there and Henley thought this little girl's name was, was Mia. turns out that the girl's name was Mila and the mom said, oh my gosh, your daughter is the girl who befriended my daughter when she was crying all by herself. And yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, that's a true story. So <laughs> I couldn't even believe it. So sweet. And when we brought Henley home that night, I was like, honey, I am so proud of you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I just like the immense pride that I have that we are raising a daughter who really truly loves and cares for other people who will go to the one person who's kind of like the black sheep or the outcast or whatever and befriend them. I'm like, okay, God, like help us keep doing the right thing (laughs) because so far so good. I feel like, I mean, of course I'm sure there's going to be some bumpy roads, but, but, um, you know, the other, and also the other day, I mean, school is like opens up a can of worms because the other day, someone in school told her a bad word and showed her how to use the finger and they're in kindergarten. Yeah. I was, I was driving and, uh, we had to bring one of her classmates home. Um, and, uh, on our drive home, they said, so-and-so in class taught us some bad words. 
And I was like, I mean, the the immature side of me was like, what did they teach you? And I just wanted to see what they taught. But I was like, you know, there's a reason why they're bad words. And, you know, you'll get in a lot of trouble, one with your mom and dad, but also if you say them out loud in class and, and everything. And they were just like, I know. And so the one girl that was with us, she goes, it was, and it was the F the word. The F word. Yeah. So, um, and, and then Henley said it and, you know, that's when it was just like, okay, well, listen, like this is going to be. Yeah. They're bad. giggling and laughing and think it's funny. This is not a funny thing. No. And then, and then they started giving the finger and I said, you know, it was, just, it was the first time that this happened, you know, like this is yeah. going to happen. They're going to learn these but things. Kindergarten, I was not expecting this. No. And so no. then that night at bedtime, I told Henley, I said, you know, I snuggle with her every night before bed, like during bed. And uh, I said, so, you know, daddy told me that, that you told, that he, you told you and pipe, you and this little girl from school told him about a little, another little girl telling you a bad word. And I said, you know, and she just looked at me and she had like these eyes and she kind of like hid and, and was like kind of too scared to tell me. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And I said, Henley, you can tell mommy anything. Yeah. I told her that I was happy that they told me. And so I said to her and I said, can you tell me? And she says, no, I'm too scared. And I said, okay, listen, (laughs) anytime that you think you're going to tell mommy something and you're going to get in trouble, you can start it off by saying, mommy, I have to tell you something, but please don't get mad. And no matter what you say after that, I promise I'm not going to get mad at you. Because the biggest thing is that regardless of what it is she does or what she's going to tell me and what she thinks that, like, no matter what she fears, I want her to know that she can come to me. Like, I don't care what it is. I want her yeah. to always know that she can come to me. And and if she gets to say those words, then she can tell me anything and she will not be in trouble. Because, you know... I also never thought I could go to my mom and, you know, I think that's, that's just a, that's a struggle that kids have. But yeah. um, needless to say, I am now done being the classroom mom and holy moly. Yeah, how was uh, that? Yeah, that was intense. I'm telling you. You were so happy in the beginning to be the class oh, mom. Oh, I was and I still am, but yeah. it was I think you were a, a great class job. mom. I, I mean, the uh, every... Every one of the parents that whenever there was a thing with the class mom, you know, you brought a lot of parents together. You did a lot of events and, uh, you know, I think it really worked out well. Speaking of kids and classroom moms, our kids just got home. Well, before it becomes chaotic, I think now's a good time that we bring in. Now's a good time that we bring on the Willard Sins to the podcast. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, it's a great idea. I like it. All right. <laughs> Henley and Hendrix just got home, so we will bring the Willard Sins on the podcast. Yay! Okay, well, we're super pumped to have you on the podcast. Shannon, I've been following you forever. I think I started following you way back when we lived in New Jersey, which was at this point a couple years ago. So I've been following you forever. <laughs> I love your um, little family so yeah. much. Likewise, my dear. Likewise. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's kind of amazing and very cool that you're part of Family Made and now we're part of Family Made. And I feel like we're just meant to be, like we are supposed to just be friends. It's so supposed to happen. It's, it's meant to be. Besties IRL. I love this. <laughs> it had to happen. I'm so stoked. Well, before we get like into it, I wanted to give a, a very official introduction to you. So to everyone listening, this is Shannon and Chase Willard. <laughs> Excuse me. She just vomited. Ay, ay, ay. This is too. 
I just Excuse ate um, this perfect part. I, I swear, a nut just got stuck in my throat. But anyways. Oh, man. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay. This is a match made in heaven, y'all. Um, I can just tell from this, like, two minutes we've been talking. We're a match we made in heaven. Yeah. Uh, this is, this is our second. This is good. This is our second podcast in one and a half years. Yeah, it's so, we're a little rusty over here yeah, if you we can't took tell. A break. <laughs> <laughs> can't also, even tell. Can't even tell. Love you. Thank you for for not judging us. Okay, let me try this. Let me try this official <laughs> introduction again. This yes, is Shannon yeah. and Chase Willardson, and I have been a big fan of Shannon for a long, long time. On I follow her on Instagram, and if you don't, I definitely recommend you following her. We'll get to all of that later, but they have a, an adorable family, truly. They have one son, Jack, who's nine. They have two daughters, Charlotte, or you can call her Charlie, and Ava, and they're diagnosed, they're, their daughters are diagnosed with... Um, a very rare condition, and I feel like, Shannon, no one could explain it better than you yourself right from the get-go, but also, I know you guys are also trying trying to conceive, and we are as well, and I feel like um, when we were thinking about who to have on as guests for the podcast, like, you were one of the first to come to mind, just because I feel like, well, you know, we we have a lot in common with the trying to conceive thing yes. and I, but, and I also like would love to know, first of all, as you, as you know, I've been following you forever, so I just love you, but, um, I, I would love to just kind of chit chat a little bit more about what it's like taking care of special needs children. I love that you're so open about that and you're very vulnerable in sharing all of that because a lot of times it's kind of scary to talk to a mom who has special needs children because you're trying to make sure that they feel like normal and loved and, you know, like welcomed and all the things. And so it's really amazing that you're so open and just generous with your lives. So thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, And talk a little Mm -hmm. bit about uh, IVF um, or any. Yeah, we we plan on chatting a little bit about it all with you. Yes, bring it all. We're so pumped to be here, you guys. Thank you for having us. And I do have to just say, um, the feeling is very mutual, Jame. I've been following y'all for a hot minute. And I just feel like this was, you know, it was about time that we made this official, this friendship. And Chase, I'm (laughs) going to start. Friendship at first sight. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Chase, I'm going to start following you so we can also build a loving relationship. (laughs) Yes, Doug. I feel like even though I don't follow you yet, (laughs) I I should. And uh, you guys are awesome from, from the stuff that I've seen. And so. I think we're going to be fast friends, Doug. Right. Yeah, awesome. I love it. We're going to be hanging out. We're going we're gonna to have you guys come down to Sarasota. And you guys are in Nashville, right? We're in Idaho. We're yeah, in I Idaho. was going to say, yeah, you guys are, are in Idaho. What am I thinking? Yeah. Yes. Outside of Boise. Right? I'm or thinking in- of uh, Sean and Andrew. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let's. Yeah, but remind me where you guys are, though. Yeah, we're in Sarasota, Florida. Okay, okay. and didn't y'all just move fairly recently? Did I make that up? From no, New no, Jersey no. Well, to we- Florida. Wait. We bought right before the pandemic, so 2020. Okay. Um, so we bought Got down it. here. She was pregnant. COVID started to happen. We needed to get back to New Jersey. Uh, we closed on our house, uh, the Florida house, um, over the phone because we couldn't come back. But oh then, yeah, so three months later or two months later, we had our son up in New Jersey and then um, kind of been going back and forth ever since. But she's and, probably talking about the house we just bought right. that we're not even living in. Oh, maybe that was it <laughs> yeah. too. Okay, yeah, that's so. probably the house she's yeah. talking about. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it's that's a long story. So we bought another house, not even living in it yet. We will be moving by the time this airs. We'll be living in that house, so that's exciting. Yeah, yes, um, that's very exciting. But uh, needless to say, I really wanted to touch touch base with you more on what it's like to parent. You know, like first of all, I would love to hear 
what it's like, like the, your whole, like if you have like a quick synopsis of like what it was like to be pregnant and find out um, and share a little bit more about CDG1P. And correct me if I don't say, if I'm not saying yeah. that correctly, did I say it right? No, that was great. Okay. Uh, yeah. If you could just share with us a little bit more about what your girls, uh, about their diagnosis and, and finding out and uh, all the things, I'm sure that's quite the journey that you had. Yes, it was quite the journey. I'm like, how do I make that um, not like a 12-hour story? But um, yeah, so our our two daughters, Charlotte and Ava, have a very rare genetic disease. It's called um, congenital disorder of glycosylation, which is like the biggest mouthful <laughs> ever. Um, but it's just an extremely rare genetic disease. Chase and I are both carriers of this just like ridiculously rare uh, mutation. We had no idea. Um, my pregnancy with Charlotte was totally normal. Um, we had her, um, she didn't really present any like, uh, medical issues until, I don't know, probably around four months old or so. Really? So we had no idea that anything was wrong, honestly, until around that point. And then, and then it just all started to unfold and there were lots of things happening. She was losing weight. She was having feeding issues. She started having these really weird seizures, um, And that was sort of the impetus for us going down this journey of trying to figure out what was wrong, which was a whole journey in and of itself. It took almost a year to, to get her diagnosis. What did, Um, what did they think? Was there other suggestions from doctors of what they thought it was? Did you have to go through that? Yeah, I remember. So we were in the hospital and she was going through, I, I can't remember if it was, so it was like kind of, back to back we because we had failure to thrive so she was eight pounds and she was like four months old and she'd lost two pounds Aww. and so we went in and they were like she's yeah she's not eating no, this you know, is and we're scary. Like, what's going on and then um i think a couple weeks after that is when we noticed the infantile spasms but which is had, that seizure it's like a seizure that happens in infants um super, but, super um, scary. we had a doctor that came in and the doctor was like i think she has a tumor and we were like okay um, <laughs> like, I mean, it's yeah. just like, what do you mean, I think? feel like there was like all of these things that they just like, there were, I mean, they were just making their best guess, but that was probably not the best medical practice or just patient practice uh, either. But, um, they were like, I think she has a tumor and we're like, okay. And then we went and got her checked, you know, the next day, I think she had a MRI she or whatever MRI, yeah. and uh, or a CT scan. And they were like, she, she doesn't back normal. Yeah. Yeah, we learned a lot through that process about like <laughs> navigating the um, internal medical <laughs> world and uh, just things that can happen there. Um, but yeah, they 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 thought it was a tumor. We did MRIs. We did all these different tests to rule out things that they thought it was. Um, and then ultimately, we got her diagnosis through a test called the whole exome genetic sequencing test, where they and it takes like three months to get the results back, but they go into the genome and and. Anyway, I, I won't. Yeah. Again, well, no, our story. That's actually really, really interesting, and I can't imagine. I mean, so this, so essentially, immediately after you delivered her, you well, not immediately. I guess it took about four months for you to realize. Although you must have caught on as a mama like a little bit early, because if your yeah. baby's four months old and eight pounds, you're catching on. You know that something's not right here. Were doctors taking you seriously at first, or did you have to kind of advocate? Yeah. You know, like yourself, like be like, listen, no, this. And it I don't, was, I don't want to have to come off weird. Um, sometimes I do, but um, <laughs> were, were you breastfeeding? Um, yeah. 
Your daughter? Yeah. Okay. And did she have any difficulties? Yeah, no. like, that's there totally difficulties? a fair question. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like you might not be able to tell whether or not Exactly. She's... Perfect point, Doug. Exactly. And, that was, and that was one of the things that we just didn't know. So she was just, we thought that she was colicky. Yeah, because yeah, to your point, Jamie, like, there were, the like, those mama um, alarms were going off for different reasons. Like, she was super, super fussy. Um, but, like, for one, our first child was typically developing. So, you know, we, that's what we were used to. We also know that every kid kind of, um, especially when they're really little, those milestones, there's, like, a pretty big variance in, like, when they potentially can hit those milestones, right? So, like... Um, we weren't like super, super worried until we went into her four month well check, you know, just like that standard, um, appointment. Um, and that's when we discovered she had lost weight Mm -hmm. and I was breastfeeding. And so our initial reaction was, Oh, I must've just lost my milk, not realized it. You can't track intake. It's really hard to track intake when you're nursing. So that was our first assumption. Um, and we got admitted to the hospital and that was the first thing that that was the first solution was like, Oh, well let's put her on formula. We ended up back in there cause it didn't really, she was still super fussy. We ended up back in there. Um, and they thought, well, maybe it's a food allergy. Maybe she's allergic to the formula that we started putting her on. So then it was, let's try hap- hypoallergenic formula. And it was sort of this like, um, process of ruling out these different things. Process of elimination. Yeah, exactly. Um, And it wasn't until she, like, we had it confirmed that she was having these seizures that everyone started taking it serious, you know, more seriously, because we realized, like, okay, there's something going on. And the the infantile spasms were its own weird thing. And I kind of want to say this just just on the off chance that someone's listening who this could benefit, but it's a very strange type of seizure in that um, it's easy to miss it's easy to miss and that it's happening or that it is a seizure because it almost looks like a startle reflex, which also happens in, in babies that age. Um, cause it's kind of subtle. It's not like how you'd think of a typical seizure where there's like convulsions and, you know, um, and so at first we, we didn't realize that it was happening. And I remember we were already at that time meeting with, um, a feeding therapist because of the weight issues. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned it to her. I just happened to mention, like, she started doing this kind of weird thing where she like, you know, she'll kind of like raise her arms up like this and then slowly bring them down. And her eyes will kind of like deviate to the back of her head. And I was like, it just, I think it's just a startle reflex, but she does it in like these clusters in a row. And it just, it's just kind of weird. Um, and she was the one, the, the feeding therapist who was like, I don't want to freak you out, but I just want to put this on your radar that what you're describing sounds a little bit like what can be a seizure in a baby. It's called an infantile spasm. Mm. Um, And so, of course, then you immediately freak out. (laughs) Exactly. So it did freak us out. Then we went home and started, you know, Googling. We happened to, YouTube videos as yeah, well. we happened to find a couple of YouTube videos. Actually, it reminded me, and I think it's Hendrix, right? Yeah. It was, yeah. I think there was a, a yeah. video that you have pinned and it. it's like of Hendrix. And I know that um, some people, they've even said to us like, oh, like, do you, like, should you be recording that? And like, we record all of those seizures, but had we not seen some of those on YouTube, yes. we wouldn't have been able to be like, oh, this is really serious. We need to go to the ER right now. And that yeah, is exactly so grateful. Yeah. That is exactly why I have that pinned because I'm a nurse. And so I have experienced that, thank goodness, from, you know, but if I had never 
so many moms, we, we don't aren't exposed to that. We don't know, right. you know, we've never seen right. it. And so I love that you went there on the off chance that someone might be listening to this, you know, yeah. you just never yeah. know who you could be helping by sharing those details, you know, of like even what to look for. So I think it's, a, I genuinely exactly. think it's so amazing yeah. that you're, you know, so open and honest about this. Yeah. It also allowed us to track the time, uh, how long the seizure was. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, exactly. So, and, and like it, I mean, it freaked us out. Uh, and right. I can't imagine, you know, a, a, a baby, baby being four months old oh, no. and, and seeing that. Yeah. That's well, gotta be to so your scary. point, it sounds counterintuitive, but like if our daughters are ever doing anything, like our, our immediate reaction is to pull out our phones Start because recording. the most valuable data you can give um, a medical a professional to try to diagnose is a video of it mm-hmm. happening, right? Yeah, because so you we go- just... Yeah, because you go to the follow-up appointment or you go to the doctor and then A, you're trying to, your child then is acting normal. Uh, exactly. And so you're trying to not doubt yourself what you saw. Right. You're trying not to right. sound like you're panicky. And they're asking, well, what was it like? And you're like, okay, well, I think I remember this, but I was mm. also, I was so panicked. So yes. I 100% agree. Like yeah. you should videotape it if you can so that you can show the doctor. Right. Exactly. And we ended up being really, really grateful for those videos that we found online. Kind of a plug also, like obviously there's sensitivity to what you post online for sure. But, um, but we were grateful that someone thought to put that online because it helped us. It helped us a ton. It really did. So, so after, after you get this diagnosis, um, what did, what was the doctor saying as far as treatment moving forward? How, how how old was your daughter when you finally got the diagnosis? Yeah. So by that point, she was about a year old. Um, She was about a year old and it was very interesting in the world of rare disease. um, I think one of the challenges is that most of the doctors, at least in our case, our doctor, and we loved her. She's amazing. She's been practicing for 30 years, probably like very seasoned. Um, But she knew about as much about the diagnosis as we did. I mean, she was learning about it in the same way we were literally just Googling and trying Mm -hmm. to find anything, which there wasn't much online about it. Um, And she was transparent about that, which I really appreciate too. It wasn't like I have 30 years of experience and like, let me pretend like I know what's going on. She's like, look, this is what I found. I've only, had she only, I don't have she She ever diagnosed this before. She had tested tested for it one other time but had never diagnosed it yeah wow so so when did you guys find out that you're both carriers of this at that point that when point. she got the diagnosis back yeah okay so That's is that knew. is that the only way that someone can have this disorder well no yes um oh i'm sorry well i was gonna ask uh i was actually gonna ask like you know during pregnancy at whatever point they they say you can test for these ge- genetic abnormalities or whatever yeah. uh did you do you guys ever get tested for that so and did it not come up or do you guys not get tested for that no so we did all of the testing in pregnancy that you can do but this is the other um ah. challenge with like genetic diagnoses is that i mean the 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 gamut of like genetic <laughs> diagnosis diagnoses that can exist is so broad that there's no way i wish there was a way i don't think there's any way that they could have like um, in utero screening for right. every possible thing that could come up. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, know what you're looking for. Like that was the thing. Yeah. It was kind of like, they didn't know what to test for it until. Until she was having symptoms. And then it kind of gave them some clues as to where to deep dive in the genome, so to speak. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, that was part of the, the problem we did. Yeah. We're very test, um, like protesting. We did all of that. There's no way that it would have detected what we had. Wow. And so you yeah. said four months is when you kind of started and it was until she was like a year. So that means that's months and months and months with your baby, yeah. not thriving, yes. having zero answers. And, and yet kind of you're this, smiling this, here. So you made it through. I can't imagine. Yeah. We made it through, um, we're, you know, through lots of prayer, lots of support from our family and stuff. But yeah, it was kind of this um, back and forth of like, well, now we're testing if it's this fatal disease or this thing that's going to, you know. and <laughs> Like this roller coaster of emotions yeah, is geez. like, oh, it could be this. And like, this is terminal. And yeah, right. And it was like, or it's this. And we don't know what the prognosis is. And yeah. we're like, okay. Well, that, that's why a, I asked earlier. Sorry. Uh, so that's why I asked earlier, because I mean, if if they're throwing all of these different things of what it could be, um, my first reaction would be to learn everything I possibly can about that thing. Um, yeah. But then you're, you're having to go on and, and on and on, which is... Uh, yes. So you hear about a diagnosis that they think it could be. So I'm sure you're, of course, like trying to figure it out. And then right. and then all of a sudden it's not that. And it's the next thing. So mm-hmm. then you're spending all... Plus, not to mention, you know, you have another child at home and a baby yeah. that you're trying to take care of. And I'm sure, you're, you know, you have to work, you know. I can't even right. fathom the stress that yeah. comes with that. I mean, truly, I can't. Now, when you say rare, uh, is there any statistics as far as how rare it is? Yeah. Um, so our daughters are two of, I think, like maybe 20 at this point that have ever been diagnosed with wow. their with their type of CDG. So okay. CDG, um, there's over 170 different types. Um, and there are some, all of them, all of the types are considered rare. There are some types that are more common. Um, our, the type that our girls have is like rare within that rare umbrella of, of rare types of CDG. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, who would have thunk it? Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing that was so crazy about it is, you know, after we started meeting with geneticists and you get this whole care team together, anyway, through meeting with our geneticists, we learned that the average person has about five to eight gene mutations. Um, but a lot of them are recessive and and you don't, it's just so unlikely that you're going to marry someone or that you're going to procreate with someone who has the same mm-hmm. mutation as you. Um, and and that's just, that's what happened here. Wow. So, yeah, that's one in, one in a billion, honey. So, eh, <laughs> well, that's when you know that you're really meant to be and so is your child, obviously. <laughs> right? And, exactly. uh, and so speaking of that, um, I'm just curious if you, I'm sure that it's changed you tremendous, tremendously as a parent, but as a, just as a woman and as a man, you know, parenting a child with special needs. And I, I can't imagine like you probably get looks and who knows what, you know, when your when your child's in a wheelchair and you're going out to dinner or to the park or, you know, whatever the case may be, how do you navigate that? Yeah. Take it away. Chase. Yeah. Mm. I think, um, I think one of the biggest things is, uh, because their development has looked so different. Um, it's like they're on their own, kind of journey. And so, um, there were times where we were just celebrating their milestones, you know, much, much later than, than most, uh, parents would. And so I, I feel like being present in the moment and grateful for like all the small and, you know, small improvements that they, that they've made developmentally. I think that changed our perspective on focusing on the small wins, celebrating those and being just as excited, you know, 
for those small wins uh, as we were for our typically developing developing son for his kind of bigger bigger wins yeah and i think we've we've lucked out in that for the most part the reaction or response that we've gotten from people um, whether it's in real life in public or you know even on online has been positive you yeah. know it's been like yes we are a spectacle and we just know that like we know that right and and there is a level of acceptance i think that you just have to kind of like take it on and be shameless about it and just be like yep this is who we are like yeah we're the family that's pushing two kiddos in a you, wheelchair you take out one wheelchair and you put right. a kid in you like take out another one and put the other kid in they're like oh this like i mean we're yeah. we're a little bit of like a circus show to watch like i mean we just we just are a lot you know for, for we're a people. lot we're a lot so but we know it and we're just kind of like, whatever it is. I mean, what are we going to do? It is, yeah. it is it, what it is. I um, love that. I mean, cause let's be honest, we're all a little bit of a circus show. You know, yeah. we just don't have the wheelchairs, but we so, all are a circus show. So do you have a super, sure. do you have a super special car then? I guess that's a, that is a good question. Not yet, but we're, we're close to needing to cross that bridge. Yeah. We're sure. like, there's still because yeah, isn't there like, still little enough that we've been able to make like our you know just mom Honda van work? Um, oh, I guess I guess they could go in a regular car seat then. I'm assuming, yeah. Yeah. right? They can still go in regular car seats, yeah. but I mean, Charlie's seven and she's tall, and you know, <clears throat> it won't be long before we're broaching that that point of like, okay, she doesn't, she can't be in a car seat anymore. So now, what do we do? Yeah. So we've already been thinking about that, and we'll either modify the car we have or get one of those like. Basically, shuttles. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. then, like, she could, uh, you know, lock her wheels in there. I've seen yeah. them where you can mm-hmm. lock it, exactly. and it's just a safe way for them to, and easy, uh, maybe easier yeah. for them to just kind of ride in and lock their wheels in. Exactly. And ride on That's out. The, <laughs> yeah. That's the future for us, for sure. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's where we're headed, definitely. That's true. Yeah. So, developmentally, um, can you share a little bit with, uh, like, as far as like learning in school and things of that nature? Like, what is that like as a mom? With the, you, obviously, you have your son who's nine, your daughter Charlie who's seven, and how old is Ava? Ava's four. Four. Okay. So, yeah. what? So, what is that like then with um, parenting and school? And I mean, I'm sure your son who's nine probably likes, you know t-ball or something like that and so <laughs> there's just a lot of needs they don't have t-ball in idaho <laughs> <laughs> it's all out all out baseball yeah. <laughs> um yeah no it definitely is and honestly like my heart goes out to <laughs> to families who are at the beginning stages of like finding out that their kiddo has a medical complexity and that they're because i will say that like navigating that initially was just insane. I mean, because, you know, you're, you know, you're eligible, you learn that you're eligible for services and, um, you know, special programs and things that are tailored for them. But the process of like gaining access to those things and understanding how to um, get access to them, what all of your, you know, available services are. I mean, it's just like, really crazy it's like a pandora box like oh it's my just gosh. it's crazy like and then even yeah. state by state like i feel like yeah, when we were in different. california we felt like we started to really understand the services that were available and with idaho we've been here for almost two years now and i still like we're, i still feel like we're trying to figure out oh we how the services are I'm like in the thick of it right now still trying to get all of those things wow. in place um so in that regard it was a lot and i always think like gosh i wish like what is the way to streamline this or make this easier for families that, you know, are going through this initially. 
Um, and there are things, there's like care coordinate coordinators and people who are meant to try to help you navigate all of that. Um, but it is a lot. Um, through posting, even, oh, I'm sorry, through posting nope. and, on um, Instagram, TikTok, have you, have you met other people that have a child with this? Well, not necessarily with this, because I know that it, this is so rare, but other children with the, as you say, com- complex medical needs. For sure. Um, well, so actually, we did shockingly, meet. yeah, we have met other oh, families wow. who have their specific diagnosis. Wow. This is so crazy. I think I have her permission to say this, but there is a family that lives on the East Coast. They have a son who has the exact same type of CDG as our girls, and his name is Charlie. Wow. Charlie. Okay. With... Yeah, it's, it's wild. Um, But yeah, I mean, but to your question, yeah, I get, um, I get messages from, from people all the time who have kiddos with different needs, medical complexities. Um, Because also, I think one of the challenges is when you're very first figuring all of that out, it, you just feel it's so, it can feel so isolating and it's scary, you know, you're just like in your emotions about it. You're sad. It's different than what you're expecting. You're worried about like, okay, what does this mean for their future, for our family's future? It's just so many emotions. And, um, I think that's why we've tried to be really open about it because our hope is that in sharing our life and in being open about that side of it, it can help someone, whether it's directly or indirectly, feel less alone as they're going through that. Um, You know, and also I think our hope is that like, now that we're on the other side of that kind of initial phase where it's all really heavy and kind of dark and hard, um, you know, we, we kind of hope that people can look at our family and feel like, okay, like there is another, you can get on the other side of this and, and live like a, a happy Joyful, fulfilling life. Yeah. Even though, even with this going on, you know? Yeah, definitely. Honestly, sitting here talking to you and you're, you're such a, like a a vibrant, happy, both of you. So happy and joyful. (laughs) And meanwhile, you know, you do have two kids who have like probably double the needs of, you know, the, you know, the average family, I guess would have. And it's nice to know, I mean, you guys are, and I can imagine that for other moms who have you know, the medical complex needs uh, for their children that you give them some hope, you know, that you can figure out the solution for your family. Because like you said, we're all, we all, like about the circus thing, like we all have a circus, like we all have our own, <laughs> you know, we really do. And, and so it's nice for everybody really to be like, okay, yeah, we all have a circus. <laughs> How, what are our own needs as a family? Because it's going to look different for me anyways right. than it is for you you know, as it is for the next person. Um, Switching gears, I want to talk about trying to conceive because knowing that you have such a, you know, um, busy lifestyle and you you have a lot of things that you're trying to take care of right now, as you said, like, because you just moved two years ago, you're still trying to figure out your own systems for your family. And now, and, and you're also trying to conceive. And can you share a little bit more about what that process has been like for you? Yeah. Um, so... Once we found out that our girls had this rare genetic disease that were carriers of it, um, we learned that if we do IVF, um, it allows you to test your embryos for their specific diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of the aha moment of being like, oh, wow, okay, we can't, we can't just get pregnant naturally anymore. Like, this is now what we're going to have to do if we yeah. want more children. Yeah. And I don't know if we mentioned Ava 
was our second daughter who has the diagnosis. Um, by that point, obviously, we knew that we had this. And so... Now, weren't you doing Ava, IVF treatments before no, your second? So no, so ah, Ava is- was an accidental... Well, sorry, I mean... I'm just on, she, yeah, was, right. she was a surprise pregnancy on contraceptives. Like we were doing everything to prevent, to prevent it because obviously we knew yeah, like right. we can't, yeah. you know, if we have, there's a 25% chance if we just get pregnant naturally that the child will have CDG as well. So she's another um, blessing from God. God was like, just Oh, another like, Jesus, take the wheel moment. <laughs> yes, like, that's- All right, I get it. <laughs> and we're not in charge. And that's Something's when you know she is meant to be because exactly. you were trying not to. And yet, and it happened anyways, these are quite the blessings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Like God knew Char needed assist. They're in it together. So um, sweet. There was no stopping it. So. Yeah. Um, but the plan had always been to do IVF. So then Ava came along as our, our angel surprise. Um, and then we kind of started that process after, um, but yeah, we've been doing IVF for man, like two years, two years. Um, you know, and I think people, and this is fair. I feel like people look at us and probably think like, you are insane. Why do you want more kids? Like, look at your life. Your guys's life is crazy and you you already have three kids like which by most people's standards like that's already plenty not to mention like two of your children are special needs so like again are you in are you insane like what's going (laughs) what's going on there um and yeah we do sometimes feel like maybe we are a little crazy but but it's like all the best people are yeah right it's like I don't know we've just had we've just had that that desire. I mean, I come from a huge family. Um, Chase always wanted a huge family. He has two brothers. I mean, it's just like, sometimes there's those things that you feel kind of pushed to in your life that like, even when you try to ignore it, so to speak, or like, yeah, reason, reason it away. Um, if it doesn't go away, I think that means something. And that is exactly what has been the case with this. I can feel everything you're saying to like my core obviously not similar with special needs children, but we have two beautiful, healthy children that we've really. So cute. Thank you. Yeah. That we've really worked for, you know, we've had many, many losses and have been trying to conceive for forever. And people say, why can't you just be happy with the two you have? And, you know, and I'm like, well, you know, and, and so I can feel what you're saying to my core, like just the, you know, when you just don't feel like your family's complete, you are allowed to then try to, you know, bring that action. Like, there's a soul out there that is really like wanting yeah. to be yours yeah. and you can feel it. And you're like, yeah, I'm trying to bring this. Yeah. Like this is what I believe that God has <laughs> like planned for me in my life. And I think that there should be another child here. I can feel it. And so, but on the other hand, you know, if and it, I'm still if thankful happens, for my children yeah. that if I have, happens, exactly. happens, you know, like that's the, the know. thing right there. Like it, I, that comment is so triggering because I get it too, where people are like, just be, you have three children, be grateful for the children you have. And I'm like, I am. Yes. I am. Like those two things are not mutually exclusive. Yes. Right. Like I can feel that there is perhaps another little soul that's meant to be in our family and also feel 100% grateful for the children that I have. A million percent way to speak what I'm thinking because it's so true. And I don't understand why, other people, I guess I do get it because maybe that's just not for them, but like, can't we just like 
care? Like, can't we just not understand and still applaud someone? I don't know, right? right? Like, can't we just be supportive on something this personal, right? Yeah, yeah. like, and so it's then, crazy. and then you almost like, at least for me, I'm almost shying away even sharing about it because, you know, I'm like, well, you don't get me anyways. So like, I, right. you're so, and you're also kind of negative towards me. Like, why, why yeah. are you being negative to me? Like, this is about me growing my family, and I feel like there's supposed to be you're more. Like, yeah, you're so like, it doesn't affect you at all do you do you understand that that's the beauty of social media it's the beauty of social media yeah that's true i mean but now um for for ivf treatment um does a guy go through anything for that well so we're at the the very beginning of uh fertility yeah Yeah, so we're very excited to hear i've given one uh sample in my life recently which uh was interesting to an actual doctor what we've done we've checked his sperm before though but anyways (laughs) yeah actually i saw that that was a dipstick (laughs) yeah 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 so where where are you guys in the process or have you done an actual cycle yet or not quite no Mm -hmm. so i'm I honestly, I'm kind of trying to av- av- avoid it. Yeah. Like, I don't, That's I don't know why. Like, I'm, I'm like, I don't, I really believe I, for you, I get why exactly why yeah. you're going that mm-hmm. route, obviously. Right. Um, but for me, I'm like, I know that we can have, I feel like I know that we can have a child totally. without needing a doctor and like all these. We just need to do it more. Well, that's what he keeps saying. It's like joking. Like he's like, law let's just practice, practice, Law practice. of averages. I yeah. love it, Classic husband solution. We just need to have sex three times a right. day. Every single day. It's going to work. Law of averages. That's all I'm saying. That is exactly. Uh, oh, my God. But you guys are meant to be friends right here. <laughs> and then you and I could just go roll our eyes. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, so, so t- can you explain to us a little bit of how this IV IVF process works because honestly where we're at right now we've seen the doctor they pretty much just want to go straight to IVF and I'm like well what about like IUI like Clomid yeah. uh, like what aren't there so many other options but our doctor just oh, I mean I am turning 37 and he just said that you know I guess he was like then you can make sure that everything's healthy and this that and the other thing you know with the embryo and um, and I just, honestly, I feel really overwhelmed by it all. And I yeah. still, and like what happened with Hendrix is I ended up getting pregnant. Like, like I was like, must've been four weeks pregnant when we had the, when we went to the fertility doctor for him, I had mm. two losses prior to him and I'm just trying for like 18 months. And we were like, okay, we're just going to go to the fertility doctor. And then the first visit I was pregnant with him. I mean, he wasn't even, <laughs> I mean, I must've been four weeks pregnant. I don't yeah. know. It must've just happened. Insane. Yeah. They did yeah, a yeah, test yeah. and they were like, um, you're already pregnant. And you know how Shut like when up. you, oh my God. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have That's a, the coolest story yeah. ever. Yeah. So I keep on kind oh, of praying yeah. that that we happens We were like, wow, again. your office is great. Yeah. This is the best <laughs> office We recommend, <laughs> we recommend <laughs> you to everybody. Um, but, and also like, you know, like you're like basically four weeks pregnant the minute you, uh, the minute the egg is like, you know what I'm saying? Because like, I mean, I couldn't have been, I'm like, how am I four weeks pregnant if I wasn't pregnant last month, but now here I am. I don't know. (laughs) But um, needless to say, I'm kind of hoping that that happens again because I'm kind of scared of all the IVF stuff. So I would love, like, what is the process like? Because I know you've been through it several times at this point. Yeah, we've right? done six cycles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I have to just validate your feelings. You are, you're totally valid in feeling overwhelmed by it. I think that is, I think everyone feels like that. I felt like that. I still feel like that. And I've been doing it for two years, you know? Um, so it's a lot. It is a beautiful thing, obviously, because, I mean, modern science is just so crazy. Like the fact that we can use it in our case to 
test each of our embryos to make sure they don't have this very specific genetic mutation is just like the craziest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and also to your point, Jamie, I, I mean, I don't need, I, you already know this, but like, I just really validate, you know, trusting your gut and the feelings that you have about like, you know, approaching that process in the way that feels right to you. I like now through this journey, we've talked to so many different fertility um, doctors and, and there's, there's so many options. And I do feel like IVF tends to be like kind of the last resort. Um, If you, if someone ends up having to do IVF, it's a beautiful thing. And I'm so grateful for it, obviously, but I know so many people who have been successful with the other fertility treatments leading up to that too. So I'll just throw that out there, but, um, but yeah, it, uh, the process is, it's a little crazy in that, um, uh, I'm trying to think. There's is it invasive? All little, um, the, the only invasive part is, so for the woman, you have to do an egg retrieval, um, which is a surgery. You go, it's full anesthesia. They're going in there. You, you take shots. So leading up to the egg retrieval, you take, they're called stim shots. They're give, you're shooting drugs into your body to, um, oh man, and Listen, if anyone listening is someone who knows all the medical terminology <laughs> for what I'm about to talk about, you're about to cringe because I, I don't know how to speak to it medically. Um, but the shots that you take, the intent is that um, it develops all of your eggs simultaneously um, so that then the doctor can go in there and grab as many eggs as possible. Chase leaves a sample of his sperm. That's all the guy has to do. Typical. <laughs> Typical. Isn't that he easy? Just has to whack off one time. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, he gets to do the fun part anyway. Um, and then they, you know, so then you have the surgery for to get the eggs. He does his thing. They, um, they. And they go on a couple of dates and yeah. they. Yeah. Yeah. The eggs yeah. There's a courting um, and, period, and yep. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and the hope is that they fertilize, right? Like mm-hmm. that the sperm and the egg fertilize and become embryos. Um, and then there's this whole process after where they have to, they have to grow to a certain size, like a hundred cells It's called a blastocyst. Sorry. It's a lot, but, um, and then for, in our case at that point, if they reach that point, then they're sent off to genetic testing. Uh-huh. Um, and then whatever comes back from that is what you have. Like this is the number of embryos you got from that cycle that IVF cycle and so there's this like it's like a funnel there's just this attrition that happens through the whole process where like you're starting with your top number which is your number of eggs and then that is just going to get smaller and smaller it's like not all of them fertilize not all of them reach 100 cells not all of them are healthy and in our case you know out of the six um cycles that we've done we've had three that have failed where like at the end it's, it's a zero like there's nothing Wow. And like, you, you don't you get say, your money back. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, so it's a, it's a crazy, it's crazy. So when you say they failed, they did, you didn't even, what about, did you ever get to the, the point where you got to send them off for testing or they just all failed yeah. before that? No. So they, in every case we got to where there were some to send off to testing. Um, and it's, and it's like this process of numbers, right? Like, so you, you egg retrieval and then it's like how many fertilize, how many get to blastocyst and then you do genetic testing. And so you know that like whatever is the biggest number you start with, like that's the higher likelihood that you have of getting an embryo that's successful. Yeah. So it's like or you hope that the age that you're starting with is a high number. Right. And right. in my case, it, it never was. What like is a I high number? Had... What is a typical high number? Um, I'm 
See, and I wouldn't even know because I've never had it. Like I I've heard and seen of women who will get like 30 eggs, you know, between okay. 20 and 30, maybe even more than that. Like That's a, a lot. lot of eggs. Yeah. How yeah. many eggs do you And then they'll have get? like over half of those fertilized. And like in our case, it was like, I mean, we were getting single digits most of the like time. It was like nine to 12 yeah. or something. I think gotcha. our highest egg count, this is crazy. Our highest egg count, I think was like, we one time got 15. Yeah. We got 15 eggs. Wow. That was one of our failed cycles. Wow. So that's the other weird part about IVF is that like, it just feels like at any point it could go off course and yeah. be completely derailed because that whole cycle, we were so like, um, hopeful yeah. because we started with our highest number of yeah. eggs. We got our highest fertilized and literally at the end we had a zero. And then the next cycle we did, our egg count was not great. I think we got like nine eggs from our egg retrieval. Um, the number kept getting smaller and smaller, but somehow we got four healthy embryos okay. from that cycle. So then when you got the four healthy embryos, you sent them off for testing, right? Um, or- that was after testing. That's so it came okay. back that oh, after wow. testing, they were healthy, yeah, four. meaning they didn't have any of these genetic abnormalities, CDG or otherwise. Okay. And, and so- you test for everything. Like at that point, you're like... Literally yeah. test for anything and everything yeah. possible. Yeah. And I then mean, they shove the eggs back in. I mean, shove's not a great word for it, but then they put the eggs back in, the healthy I eggs. I love the is medical that, terminology there, Doug. <laughs> if you think yours is bad, let me tell you, we got you beat. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just, I'm so amazed by this process because it, it, it's something, it's something that you pay for, which I, from what I understand, it's a lot of money. You have to yeah. trust that they're, they're, they're pulling out the eggs that you have to trust every single step of this process. And there's so many different steps. And then you have to trust that, you know, it's reputable place and people because anything can go wrong in all these different steps. And regardless whether it's successful or not, you're still paying, you know, it's just like, it's just such a, I mean, science is amazing. And I know a lot of people have gone through IVF, um, but it's just, there's so many, it's just, yeah, I can't fathom it. Yeah. So you had yeah. four though at one point. That must have been super mm-hmm. optimistic. And so then what? Oh my gosh. What happened? Like, did yeah. you have them transferred back in? No. So, so our approach was because of my age, I'm 38. I was 36 when we started this whole thing. But, you know, anything over 35 from a reproductive perspective is like considered geriatric, yes. basically, which is like very insulting, but yes. that's, that's literally <laughs> what they call it. Geriatric yes. pregnancies. I'm like, cool, cool guys. Can I give it a, a different name? Um, <laughs> I'm over yeah, here. So I still have my teeth, so I can't be that geriatric. <laughs> I don't feel geriatric, but okay. Um, yeah. So our approach because of that was let's go and get as many embryos as we can before we try to what's called transfer, which is when they put the embryos in your uterus and hope that they implant and you become pregnant. That was what Doug was talking about. And the our shoving. hand motion for you that. You shove them in. Right. They shove them in. I don't know if it looks exactly Transfer like that, is way better. Yeah. Transfer yeah. is way better than shoving. Yes. yes. A little more I like gentle. Sho- I kind of like shove, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so so we did six cycles. Um, we, we knew that we wanted more embryos than necessarily the number of kids we wanted to have because also transferring then is its own it's not a guaranteed success. animal, so to speak. Right. Yeah, like we didn't know how transferring would go. Yeah. Um, or you could have four and, babies. I mean, that's, you know, 
Don't a lot of people have multiple children too through IVF? Well, no. So that's like uh, if they transfer two at a time and they both stick, yeah. well then, right. but she, right, then you, you they can control. Yeah. So have you had any yeah. transfers yet? Yeah. So we, we just did our first transfer last month. Yeah. It failed. Oh. So we weren't wrong oh, in thinking I'm like, sorry. Mm, yeah, that's awful. Maybe that won't go super smoothly either. Can't, it can't ever be easy guys, right? Yeah. No, <laughs> no never. So how many embryos do you have left at this moment right now so we have five we have five left okay so I know that it's probably really difficult to be like super hopeful because obviously you've been through so two years of all of this to get to just five embryos which I'm sure is not what you want but you still have I mean I still I mean you know like that's that's great so you know totally yeah and we like you know, obviously when the transfer failed, we were super bummed about it. Um, but we have to stay hopeful because at this point, honestly, you kind of get to where you're like, I have invested way too much for this. Like, I'm mm-hmm. like, so help me. This is going to work. Like at <laughs> yeah. some point, this is freaking going to work. Yeah. Unless, yeah. unless it doesn't. And then again, it'll just be one of those like, all right, I get, I get it. God. Yeah. I, yeah. I guess it wasn't. There was something for us to learn. There was something yeah. we were supposed to That's learn by it. going through all this and it wasn't meant to be, wow. but but you better believe like we're going to give it every freaking yeah, last good, effort. Good for you. Like, now, yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I did want to ask too, I, I know we're, we're kind of getting past the time, but um, your son, Jack, having two children with special needs, um, you know, as, as a parent, my first thought would be how do we possibly give equal attention um, you know, that happened with, after we had our daughter and then we had our son, it's like, you know, we're going to be giving, and we yeah, still wonder. we're going to be giving, you know, the new baby so much attention. We want to make sure that we split time. Um, obviously Jack's a little bit older, but, um, what were some of the things that, that you guys did, uh, with him to prepare or I'm sure it's still ongoing, but. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, to your point, we've tried to be really aware of the fact like it's really important to us that Jack never feels eclipsed by the medical complexities of his sisters, right? Like he's his own person. We don't want him to feel like um, he's defined by the fact that he has um, sisters with disabilities or, you know, siblings with disabilities. Um, And so we've tried to like, we've tried to be intentional about implementing a couple things that make him feel really like seen and special besides just like the day-to-day stuff where like, you know, Chase and I do a lot of dividing and conquering Mm -hmm. as in terms of like the activities he's involved in and and things like that. But it was kind of this feeling of like, if we would do it, like if we didn't have two disabled children and we think it's something we would do, like we're, we're still going to do it. Right. We're not going to like, we, cause we want him to have those experiences and we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll make it work. Um, so he's in all sorts of sports. He's in all, we, we go to all his games. Sometimes we bring the girls, sometimes we divide and conquer and one of us stays home with the girls and one of them goes, um, we do Jack night, Jack night. Um, we try to do it once a month where we kind of go on like a, a special date with just him. Um, and it's either me and chase together with him or just one of us. Um, but that's been really fun. We've done little like staycations where we, uh, you know, stay in a hotel overnight. Um, we've done little, like we've done, we've done all sorts of things. Um, but he always really appreciates that. Like that's a special thing for him. Um, what else? What am I forgetting? 
Do you guys have family? I think we that... also ask him to like help with things, you know, for the girls. Yeah. yeah. So, for example, I mean, so just like you would with like a, with. like you know, a typically developing, like even if he, his siblings were typically developing, like if you're changing their diapers, I'm like, hey Jack, can you get me a diaper? Like, and yeah. then after that, we'll play catch, you know, type of thing. So there's always like time or an incentive for him. Um, but he knows how to run their feeding machines, their G2 fed, and he knows how to like turn them off, turn them off and stuff. That's so so sweet. So he's like, yeah. And for him, that those are his little sisters and he doesn't, he's the older brother. You know, those are the only little sisters he's ever had. So that's just the norm for him. And he's like, all right, ma, I'm turning it off. (laughs) The feeding's done. (laughs) I got it for you, ma. (laughs) Exactly. And he's amazing. He's such a good sibling to them. Um, He's He's very sweet. He's awesome. But, you know, like, I'll be honest in saying that um, there is some, like, part of our desire for more kids, I think, does stem from, you know, just that that desire for him to also have a relationship, um, a sibling relationship that is a little more typical, maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and not to take anything away from the relationship that he has with his sisters, because it is precious and Mm -hmm. beautiful and... um, you know, we, we have the blessing of witnessing that every day. Um, it's different. It's just different. Yeah. yeah, it's different. It's different. They can't, you know, they can't have a dialogue. They can't have a conversation back and forth. They can't play necessarily together in the same way that you would. Um, and so we just think that'd be a really special thing to be able to provide that for him as well. Yeah. Because then he kind of gets like the best of both worlds, right? Like he gets all of the beautiful singular blessings that come from having a different needs child, which there are. And it's like, I always wish it's like, that's what I want. Um, Families who are new in that world of like just discovering. I'm like, I know it's hard right now. And it's, it's not that it's not hard forever. Like there are aspects of it that are always going to be hard. That's just Mm -hmm. the reality. But there are some really singular special things that come with these perfect angel children that you, you only experience when you have perfect angel children. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like our girls were not, they'll never lie to us. They'll never like, that is true. Boyfriend, you know, like, yeah, you know, like, um. <laughs> and they have these like little spirits that they just radiate that are so pure and beautiful. And it's like, I promise there's so much beauty and good. And I'm not even just saying this, like there's something so cool about it and so to my point being it's like the best of both worlds yeah in a lot of ways and um, also uh-huh. giving the girls a sibling you know another sibling yeah. like jack to help you know just help with whatever you know because at, at, to love on them and to you know pay attention to them i mean they they are obsessed with their they big brother like uh-huh. they like, light up when they he's light around. up when he's around like he could do stuff like touching their face or playing with them in certain ways and if Shan and I were to do that they'd be like leave me alone but if yeah. Jack does it they're just like oh this is so great oh, you're so wow. awesome so, yeah, so they it's love him and they know wow. him and they yeah it's like they adore him so are there any more of that we're like that's it that's amazing are there any um treatments that are available for this I, I guess uh, you know as they as they develop um is it a different school that they're going to? Is it home service? Um, I guess what, what are the next steps with them for you guys? Yeah. So they do go to, they go to a typically developing school that has programs for different needs kids. So it's actually really, really fortunate um, because all of our kids are at the same school, Oh wow! Um, but they are in like special programs at that school. Okay. That's um, actually- so that's been, that's been amazing. Um, you asked about treatments. 
there is no cure for CDG currently. Um, and there aren't really even treatments yet, but we are, we're trying to change that. We're actually in the middle of, it's called a drug repurposing project where, um, like one of the approaches with these rare diseases is that they take, I mean, it's very scientific. So again, this is like way oversimplifying. We're but they, very scientific too. So we're, we're yeah. so we got it. We, we got scientific. it. Yep. <laughs> I'm thinking about the egg catcher and the shover in her. Yeah, we got it. Exactly. <laughs> um, but they take drugs that are already on the market and they do a bunch of testing. They create like models of these gene mutations that, that kiddos have, um, people that, or that people have, and they test all these different drugs on them to see if they can have a positive impact on those cells. Um, and they've had some success with that with other types of CDGs where they found drugs that are already approved, FDA approved, that they can use that will that will help their symptoms, you know? Wow. And it's in small ways, but it's, I mean, sure. again, like Chase mentioned, when you have a, a, a kiddo that's developmentally delayed, anything is like, a win, you know, yeah. like you're just excited for any games Absolutely. whatsoever. And even Charlie and Ava, it's different, like for both of them, yeah, from a developmental standpoint. So right. it's like Same something that's a huge win totally for Ava. Different. Like for Charlie, is is different, you know. Definitely. Um. Anyway, so we are in the process of that for their specific type of CDG, and uh, we're hopeful, you know. And and just with like where like the advancements that have been made in medical technology over, you know, whatever, the last couple decades, like, we try to just believe the sky is the limit. Like, who's to say that there won't be a cure for CDG in mm -hmm. their lifetime? I mean, yeah. we don't know. Yeah. But because there isn't now, we kind of look at it as like, we have to do our part in, and do what we can to try to further that because... Creating awareness and... Yeah, and, and doing studies like this and things like that because it's a lot of work, but it's like, hopefully at some point, even if it's not for our girls, <clears throat> but if it could be for someone... Yeah. It'll pay off. It'll be worth it. Absolutely. Which is really amazing and honorable. And yeah. Absolutely. Any way that we can help, please let us know. Yeah, um, seriously. If there's anything oh, anybody can awesome. do, really. Yeah. I think what you're doing is is wonderful. It is God's work. And, you know, you're you're passing along information that not a lot of people would be able to get otherwise. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially because of how rare it is. Um, I believe it takes a lot of strength and courage to put yourself out there. And, and it's really amazing. Yeah, you should be Thanks, you truly so proud of yourselves. I mean, also just you're you're you radiate like positive energy, and you have oh. been through so many trials, and you, you know. So I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> Give me a little bit of it. <laughs> like I said before, right back at you guys. Keep doing it well, more. And, and listen, don't get it wrong. Like I never want anyone to think that it's all just like sunshine and roses no. over here. You know, yeah. like. Oh, I'm We're, sure you have your time. And of course you have your hard times. You have to. For sure. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And any day is like a nice wide range of emotions and moods sure. and, you know, all yeah. the things just like anybody else. But, um, but it's like, at the end of the day, it's like, well, this is your life. It is what it is. And you have to just yeah. make the best of it. Right. And like, soon that's all any know. of us can do. That's yeah. all any of us can do. Do you guys exactly. have family around you in Idaho? Yeah, that's part of the reason why we moved. Um, my parents live here, and then my three sisters live here. So and you have so, some help now? Because I was going to say, when yeah. do you guys awesome. get your own date nights and things? Because, I mean, we we don't have family around, around here, but, uh, you know, it's it's difficult even just now trying to find time to go out for a date. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, and we're we've we're not good we, about that. We were, we used yeah, to we good. have a confession. We were so much better before COVID. Oh, after we're still trying to get back on that gotcha. cadence of. Um, it was a weekly basis. We would go on a date, and yeah. now it's probably like oh, once gosh. a month, Don't even once every other month. Else. We're trying, but or the kids <laughs> will come with us. It's like a family right. date, yeah. You know? But it's so. right because also it's like sometimes we feel like we exhaust all of our help through like things that we really need, Mm -hmm. you know, like if I've already asked my mom five times in the month to watch my girls for something that I absolutely needed her to watch them for, I'm probably not like, yeah, it's like the the date goes on the way to the wayside. Yeah. 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 I totally get that. Uh, well for us, it's not, we don't have family, but if we have, you know, if we have a babysitter or something, you know, we can only, you can only do (laughs) so much. And so I imagine for family, same thing, but Listen, thank you so much for taking the time Guys, out. Thanks for to, having us. Yeah, yeah, thanks for taking the time out to just be so open and vulnerable and honest and transparent about all the things. It, it's really been so enlightening. And honestly, it was just nice to talk to you, Shannon, because I really yeah. haven't been following you for so long. So exactly. it just, yeah. yeah. No, likewise. If, and you guys, good luck with... Um, with conceiving, trying thank to conceive. you. Good luck yeah, with that phase. You. We're thank just we're rooting for you. We're mm-hmm. cheering you on. We are trying and all so different here. positions. Yeah, we have it covered. <laughs> Douglas. Um, but and also good luck to you too, Shannon. And you know, with your next transfer, whenever that might be, that may be, I'm sure you're probably still navigating emotions from a failed transfer. I can't imagine. Um, and so for anybody who is listening and they'd want to, uh, find you and learn more about you, follow you like myself, where can they find you guys? Yeah. So we are at Shannon Willardson on Instagram, just my name. Um, on TikTok, we're at Shannon Willardson. Um, we're on YouTube as the Willardson family. Um, and then, of course, the Family Made Podcast Network. We also have a podcast called Don't Judge, Just Love on the Family Made Pod- Podcast Network. So. Great name. Yeah, that is a great name. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you so much. And of course, for those of you guys listening, I'll par- provide all of the links to all of those places in the show notes. But yes, guys, thank you and so listen, much. And listen, if y'all are ever in Idaho, I mean, oh. let's, just, let's plan a trip. I'm like, let's plan a trip for real. Drive through. Yes. Oh, Idaho is beautiful. I would love to go back to Idaho. We did a whole long trip and uh, passed. We were in Idaho, right? Oh, golly. We were all over the country and I don't even know where we were, but yes. South Dakota. We stopped there. Yeah. Idaho is beautiful. Yeah. We would love that. But awesome. Cool. Thank you guys so much. Really appreciate you guys. Nice nice meeting you. I'm sure we'll be in touch. Okay. (laughs)